Welcome to Electronic Music Life. I'm your host, James Locksmith, where we interview inspiring guests who provide insight into the electronic music industry, breaking down business, the creative process, wellness, lifestyle, and culture. We'll reveal practical tools and tangible support on electronic music entrepreneurship and how to overcome its obstacles. Tuli, Tobias. Hey. <laughs> how are you? I'm good, thanks. How are you? I'm good. Long time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah for sure. For sure. It, um, it, it's been, uh, what, what I think, um, six years, uh, the time when we met at uh, Dimensions. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I had to. I had to look up the date. Actually, 2016. Yeah, right, September. That's right. Yeah. Um, and uh, you yeah, look. Thanks for uh, taking the time out to come and chat today. I'm super excited to uh, reconnect and and also to uh, share a bit about um, and hear from you your experience with um, you know running record labels and I guess the kind of state of um, you know running a label during today's climate and today's um uh, you know um uh, music industry you know where we are as a, an electronic music industry today you know and i uh, love to hear from from your uh, experiences and uh, what before we do that why don't you tell the the listeners a little bit about who you are and um the amazing labels that you are running. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so my name is Tobias. I live in Stockholm, Sweden. Been doing that almost all my life. I've had a few times where I lived elsewhere, did other stuff, but I've been involved, I would say, professionally in music for the last 14 years or so. That's when I decided to, I want to go all in and I quit my day job, started working with, uh, well, actually I started DJing first. I've been doing that on the side, but I felt I need to focus a hundred percent on everything. I, uh, eventually went into the record industry, started label together with Mad Mats. Uh, I started a label of my own, went also into production. I've been playing in bands prior to that, but I never really went, you know, solo, starting making my own music, uh, using electronic uh, gear, computer. I was playing in a different variety of bands. I was playing jazz and I was playing also some free jazz, uh, metal, you know, you name it, whatever. I was, I'm a music nerd of all kinds, so it was never my purpose to go all in with just dance music. But here I am today, 2022, and I think I'm running three labels officially, then a few others on the side, you know, as you do, different kinds of music. And the ones, well, the most popular ones, I think, that people hopefully I've heard of is a label called Local Talk Records, which is a house label from Stockholm. Yeah, and I can plug I can plug my other stuff as well because please do, please do. Yeah, I'd love to. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I, I, I'm I'm curious. I'm curious to learn more about those other labels as well. And I know, um, you know, I mean, of course, Local Talk 
um, is uh, have been you know very widely recognised, particularly for uh, you know DJs as well. Um, and I, I mean, I remember when Matt's told me about it over over a decade ago, and then seeing seeing it climbing and grabbing so much attention. But and I do recall him sharing other labels. I'm not sure if they were the same ones. Um, that like I remember seeing some, you know, very kind of like early no artwork type thing. It was just you know these sort of blank kind of uh, you know covers and stuff. And I I'm wondering if that's the same one. The 18 what's it called? 18. With local talk, we have a few different sub labels, right. and uh, we've done different variations to try things. And then I have a label called Omena. Uh, which Omen. I started uh, a few years later, and it's been going on. Yeah, it's been doing well, but it's not predominantly house music. It's more experimental stuff, and I branched branched out in different genres. And then I also started uh, more. I would say like a techno house label called One Eight Three Forty Seven, which That's is uh, every, every, everybody likes likes to use like numbers. I guess it's, but it's uh, it's a postal code where I grew up, so it's more of a homage to where I grew up and got influenced more by by club music when I started listening to dance music. Okay, so those are the three main ones that I work right. with. Right, right, and what? Then there's there's more. <laughs> yeah, there is. Um, <laughs> There is, uh, I, I like to say it like this because I, um, I like to think as a, I, I used to work as a chef, you know, when you start, when you work with music, um, I don't want to confuse too much. If you have a specific idea of where you want to go and how you want to start focusing on a different genre, it might sometimes be a bit confusing. It's like you serve a buffet all of a sudden and people start wanting to eat of it, in the end, you start going back for the stuff you like mm. and the other stuff you might don't. So same thing if you have a record label. I mean, it works for some, I guess, if you're recognized as an eclectic person with a wide range of styles that you support. But in this climate, I think if I have a house label, it's going to be house music, mm. Mm. different kinds of house, obviously, and stuff. And if I want to have a funk or a soul label i would focus on funk and soul i wouldn't release a hip-hop record in between even though that might be of inspiration that's the way it works for me anyway mm, so. mm, mm. yeah so so the um omnum om, omina omina yeah um and is that that uh, that's the same kind of principles there where where you're focusing on the experimental sound and then yeah. um and the 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 one eight one that that's that's a um uh, i should have picked easier names though it's like <laughs> <laughs> um yeah like maybe three numbers <laughs> yeah. uh, um so that that's more of a techno label and yeah. I, I actually i remember you know i i remember matt's saying a very similar thing to me about that because raw fusion was quite eclectic and um and i remember him sort of i think he came to that realization in his career as well that it was better to kind of like hone in on one kind of sound and 
but uh, in overall, though, like managing three more labels, isn't that in itself a big task too? Because, you know, aside from, from the marketplace, from your audience wanting to receive, like learn about that sound, but also having to manage, you know, multiple labels, uh, um, how are you finding that is that hard to focus your energy and your your um uh business um focus you know like because you're you're kind of branching out to th- you know putting your attention in in different baskets do you find that yeah, do you find that challenging yeah it is um because everything else is just so fast moving you know it's such a quick mm. pace these days where we have to um if we want to be part of the whole label cycle and be out there but then i guess um it's something i mean might be not be meant for everyone to run a label if i'm being honest um Mm. but you can do it if you have a good team of course you have to have a good structure you have to have a daily plan you have to know where you want to end up Uh, you have to have a clear focus Uh, and for me the way it works good is that I try to have a schedule with things. I try to write down, you know, where I want to be in a couple of months, in, in a year or so. And I have different plans with the different labels, of course. Then um, the easy thing, though, is that I'm fortunate enough to work with people that I really, uh, I, um, they're good people to work with. I, I trust them. Like I have a really good distributor that that works great for me. Um, I know good people who produce music as well. I trust them with the music. I don't have to go into, you know, bigger arguments of the actual music, how we're going to release it or not. And um, so I think once you find that, it gets easier to work, work towards where you're heading at with your different labels. So... For instance, I have the same distributor for all my labels. That's one thing. It makes stuff really easy. Easy uh, streamline you. Yeah, exactly. Streamline everything. And also with the music, I guess, coming from a musical background myself and knowing what kinds of music I want to work with, and I trust my own instinct with that. It also makes mm. things easier rather than, you know, release something let's say you release something and you have some sort of success and all of a sudden you have no idea how you're going to follow through with the next release or you start to get attention from stuff you weren't really expecting and then all of a sudden you think like okay where i'm heading at where i'm going next um you just have to you have to have confidence and also one thing i get asked quite many times by people you know what's the advice if you want to start working and it's like trust your trust yourself you know know what you want to do and it's not a you don't have to solve everything by tomorrow this is not a competition at least it's never been that for me now take it easy of course you need to finish things you need to make sure that you're able to deliver but there's too much music being released, if we're being honest, you know, all the time on different platforms. People are using different uh, different kinds of social media, you know, to head out their message and stuff like that. And I think sometimes you get 
get a bit stressed out by that. Um, you need to step back, take it easy, and look. Hopefully, you ha you had a clear structure from the beginning. You have a few ideas noted down. Look at that paper. You know, see where you're heading at, and what was the actually reason why you wanted to start a label? What was mm. the plan from the beginning? And also, it's totally fine to fail. You know, people do that all the time. It's not mm. the end of the world. Just keep on doing. And as long as you believe in what you're doing, at least for myself, I'm going to keep running my different labels. And it's been, I guess it's been like from the, from the get-go, you did have uh, some previous label experience before starting Local Talk. And I guess once, once, you, once you built those, that strength and you, those systems and you start to see what's working, then I guess that confidence you're able to transfer that into a new label and other labels. You're able to rinse and repeat, right? Like you're able to kind of just do the same kind of structures, but now you're, it's just really the music palette's changed. Like that, it, it would, would it be very similar models, you know, like in terms of, in terms of systems? They're just quite like you're just repeating it, right? Yeah. I mean, one interesting thing, though, I would say with uh, the other label that I started, Omina, um, it started more also, it started out more like a dare to myself because the first release I did on the label is just a loop that goes on for eight minutes. <laughs> and the, the artist I spoke with, when we talked about releasing it, said to me like, okay, this is going to be difficult. I don't know if it's going to work out. And that was enough for me to see, you know, if it's going to work out or not. Because I was already working with Local Talk. I knew in a way, you know, what was working in club music and we had some success already. And all of a sudden you want to start looking at, you know, is it possible to alternate this? Is there another way to do it or not? Mm. So I just went to ahead and said, you know, let's do it. And then since then, I also knew that, you know, I gained some knowledge, I gained some strength working. Uh, I done, um, I done cassette tapes. I done different formats. I released the seven inch and just, I think we did 20 copies or so. so I met this guy in a bar uh, and he told me he was cutting seven inches. And I was like, oh, that's nice. I want to, you know, do that myself with the release further on. And he said, I'm happy to help you out. As long as you know, I can only make 20 copies and that's it. I would say, fine, let's do it. Let's release it. And it was nothing about, you know, being limited or to make it, you know, difficult for other people to say, oh, look at us, we're, we're so special and so super exclusive. I was like, if you want to do it, fine, I'm going to try to see if I can work with someone else within the industry, you know, I'll help you out and we gain some knowledge together on how this thing works. So with Omina, I always said, you know, if there's a way, I'm going to try if it's possible and not maybe go down the direct route as I've done before. Mm. And so far it's been seven years down the line, I'm still running that label too. So for me, it's a, it's a nice experiment, but it, of course the music is super important and it's a label that I run 100% with confidence also. Just, you know, when I'm... Mm. Mm. seeing all these different uh, opportunities or, you know, you have to make a decision if it is going to work or not. 
Are we going to run into it 100% or not? Uh, so that's what I've done. As I've mentioned before, uh, and that there was some label experience before local talk, uh, that must have helped as well in sort of, you know, I guess rectifying what, where you needed to improve. And Matt's has a very extensive label background uh, as well. So that, but I think it, it seems like it was a really good partnership because uh, the two of you, um, A, having impeccable taste in music, but, um, but also um, uh, having this sort of knowledge on running, a, you know, putting together a label business. Was it, was it difficult, um, you know, because obviously, you know, setting at the beginning, um, meeting, you know, getting your cash flows and getting your projections and meeting your targets in the first year to two years. I mean, when when were you in the clear of you know revenue and and did it take a long time before? All right, we can pay ourselves now. You know, <laughs> we can pay ourselves a salary. You know, like how when 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 did that kick in in, in the timeline? Yeah, it took it took a while though. Mm. I mean, as it did for everyone, and some never experienced that. Um, mm. I would say, though, that when we started, so we started off by having a meeting together, discussing, you know, where we want to go with the label, what was the idea, how are we going to do it? And then we started by getting ourselves an office, started working on releases. We had a plan. Matt's had a really good structure in place. Um, we started working with giving each other different assignments and we stuck to that, like really stuck to that and worked. I would say we managed to do releases for almost a full year ahead. We started releasing, obviously, during that time, but we laid out all the plans. We had releases for almost a year, you know, when it started rolling for us. Um, and by then we also had started DJing, you know, as local talk. We started doing um, some um, clubs abroad, traveling. So you're finding other you're finding other revenue streams from from DJing at the same time and before yeah. before yeah yeah yeah. I mean, you have to do that. It's like yes. you can't just make money by releasing a record and then go on holiday. That's the <laughs> <laughs> and it takes some time. Also, I don't. I think sometimes people, hopefully, they know. You know. Things take time and they have to grow organically, yeah. of course. Um, but also, of course, it's possible to release a song tomorrow with uh, with a different... Um, uh, there's different opportunities out there that wasn't able, uh, wasn't uh, offered before. So I can sit down now in my studio, make a track, upload it tomorrow and release it on Friday, hopefully. You know, and I don't have to pay the same amount of money. But when we started, it was a bit different. Mm. But also with the knowledge we had... Matt's running Profusion prior to that also knew, you know, there's a, there's a way that works doing this. Um, you just have to have patience and just don't rush into it. Mm. We got some success in, in, the, in the beginning, of course. And we were, I think, when we started the first couple of releases, there was a, like a revival of house music going on and a lot of people talking about... Uh, some classic sounds and 90s house and others. And I think we were drawn into that. But if you listen to the music we released, and we said this before, we released 
all kinds of house music. Like take if you take the first 10 releases on the label, you're gonna hear everything from deep house to vocals to classic to more electronic to dobby uh, mm. stuff to disco influence and it's been the same ever since mm. but stuff that got picked up and was written about you know and when we started playing doing label nights that was more like the the 90s and the classic sound that people wanted to hear so i think we got labeled in the beginning good and bad i mean um but it worked out for us and then we just kept on going yeah so well i i i take it that was when you when you came together there was like all right this is a this is a a marathon you know it's not a sprint this is a 5 10 year thing that we're going to be committed to and and let it unfold like that uh, that's what it sounds like you were both preparing yourselves for for that long road ahead I mean, we had different experience prior to running the label, but it was more also of a, me wanting to learn more about the different ways to run a label, of course, because I didn't have the same experience as Matt's. And then Matt's also having a lot of experience, but working with, as you mentioned, the broader, uh, broader style of music, of course, uh, just coming together we always trusted each other's taste in music. So there's, I would say we've done across the labels, let's say about roughly 200 releases. Maybe once or twice there's been a discussion about if we should release something or not. But otherwise, it's always been straight ahead and we, we trust each other. You, you were talking about how simplified it is now for, for a producer to, to upload their music and literally create their own Bandcamp page and more or less have a, a label of their own uh, um, and do that DIY, you know, and um, put it up on Spotify and all the, all the other, you know, uh, distribution channels. Um, because of this accessibility, has this impacted the, the role that you play and the role that you have played in the industry like now – um, obviously the support that a label can give someone, um, based on the infrastructure and, and the network that they've developed and built is going to definitely help someone reach, um, an audience a lot more faster and, 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 um, get more kind of, um, exposure or, you know, um, from being, uh, being attached to a label like yours, but, so, but are you finding that still to be a challenge because of the accessibility for, for, for a music producer? Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I do. But I, I was actually, I've been thinking about this a lot uh, last couple of months or so. It's, um, I mean, people need to understand that there's a reason why distributors work the way they do and why you need them. There's a reason why you should, you know, focus on the things you're good at. If you're producing music, you can't do everything by yourself. Mm. Uh, some people are lucky and they have success. And then you can listen to an interview with say one, there's, let's say there's an artist that uploaded, they make a track on a Monday, they upload it on Friday and then it becomes a big success. And some famous artist picks it up the next week and all of a sudden it's 
it's uh, you know go go ahead full steam and that artist is making all these waves across all social media and stuff but that's what one artist within millions that keeps creating you know mm. but you see all these success stories and people think like hey well if it's that easy i'm gonna do it myself or maybe i don't need to everyone wants shortcuts you know mm. they want to do things the easy way and they don't actually sometimes focus on what's needed or as i said there's a way the music industry is built um of course there's crooks out there and you shouldn't trust everyone but i think for us our model has always worked um again it's because we trust the people we work with um we're going to continue doing what we're good at mm. but now i think Bandcamp, for instance, is a good reason to uh, why people have had success, you know, and it's it's become a good uh, complement. Where I mean, Bandcamp is built on downloads; it's not a stream store. And there was a while when everything was, you know, a race against, you know, how to make more money using different streaming platforms and Spotify, for instance. And now you have Bandcamp as a good could complement to that that doesn't focus on streaming at all and it's got it's gone back you know to more the classic way of dealing with it uh, mm. it's uh, the artist can be the creators themselves you know you, you can upload it yourself and you can distribute it yourself but still if you want to do it on bandcamp and if you want to grow your audience and if you want to have success there's still ways you need to do you know and there's still a way to gain more success it doesn't happen overnight still and i think some people are a bit um get it too eager mm. you want to start you want to have a music career tomorrow short-term gratification <laughs> yeah exactly local talk is more of a dj's label yeah yes and no i would say we started out because we knew a lot of djs the way we started label you know focusing on also artists that were known within the dd community obviously we needed to branch out um we needed a catapult when we started so i can i mean i can tell you the story about the first release we did so we released a group called uh, bassfort yes um and the release um it happened when mats went to see a friend and played uh, his club, Nacho Belasco. And back when we were driving back from the airport, he played him this, one of the tracks, and said that Matt already mentioned that he was going to start a label and asked if he wanted to release it or if it was a possibility that he could be part of the label. So he heard it and then he realized, you know, this is a really good opportunity. We had already started a label, but we talked about, you know, we need something that makes an impact when we start it. You know, it has to be something that is uh, sound-wise, the house sound we're looking for. And we had mm -hmm. a few ideas, but when Matt came back, played this track, we both knew instantly this is the track, you know, we're going to release. This is the one. And we started sending out promos. And then we went to uh, the Sonar Festival in Barcelona. We printed up a few t-shirts uh, that we handed out to people. And then we were waiting in line for, there was a club night where uh, Harvey was playing with Soul Clap and uh, 
I think Prince Thomas and a few other DJs. And while we were waiting in line, there was a guy coming up to us asking if we knew the label that we had on our T-shirt. It was just a white T-shirt that said Local Talk. It was like, yeah, it's our label. It's like, really? Is that your label? Oh, you know, we heard about this label. Uh, Giles Peterson was playing it, uh, the release on Worldwide. And both of us, at least me, I was like, hey, is this really true? Yeah, 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 he did. There's a clip. Like, okay. So we went to search out. I found the clip online. And it's a clip where they're using snippets for uh, the Worldwide Festival. And they're using the first track, uh, Moonshadow, as a background. And also you see a clip of Harvey playing. It's obviously not Harvey playing the track, but it looks really cool. <laughs> and it really, I mean, that was all you can ask for in terms of product placement for us. Funnily mm -hmm. enough, another person we met at the club in the queue was uh, Ludovic, a.k.a. Art of Tones, who later also become a producer for the label um, that we got to know really well. And it's, I mean, Luda is a great guy, of course, but it's, it's funny to see, you know, how it all ends up. Yeah, uh, yeah. And, and, and I guess you've got to, you've got to um, take those steps into and, and, you know, having that faith and that trust and getting out there and, and, and just really believing that what you're doing is going to have an impact. And, and these are, the, these are the, the little signs that are a testament to that. Um, the, yeah, you know, um, Giles Peterson, um, he, you know, he's been responsible for bringing awareness to so many people's music. Um, I hope, uh, I hope they they keep Worldwide FM. You know, I, I believe it will. Um, I, ha I have this note feeling that it's just it's a pause, it's a break. Hopefully, the radio station will be back and bigger and stronger. Um, it, you know, obviously. And I'm, I'm sure you're around about the same age as me, I think. And we've, we've, um, you know, known Giles Peterson for decades, and uh, he continues to, um, you know, inspire and influence, um, you know, music culture in so many ways, and and new generations as well. You know, um, bringing back um, that love for jazz um, again now in these recent years. Uh, it, it for me is uh, I just love that you know it was you know so like early two thousands all over again you know and uh, and early early nineties you know we can even say it's like another these other little cycles of um uh, of music um with with the labels um I have you have you and Matt thought about the whole NFT game. Yes. Yeah. Well, we, we had a discussion and we said, for now, no. Right. Right. And how far deep are you into uh, the, the rabbit hole? <laughs> <laughs> well, it is a rabbit hole, though. I, <laughs> I, uh, I, and I'm not putting any negative perspective into that. No, but I, of course. Yeah, no, so I, I looked into it myself and I've been thinking about it, but it's not for me. Um, I think we're not that kind of creators, maybe. And I, uh, I applaud everyone that's working it and trying to make it work. So we had Mark 
discussing it, of course. Um, I mean, he's a genius in all sorts of ways, and he's figured it out. Yeah. Um, but we're gonna we're gonna continue, you know, doing label the way we we think we can manage, uh, and it works for us. And with that, I'm not saying we're not heading there in the future, of course, but not at the moment. You mentioned before about you know sort of being such a niche label um the the way to um create um and you know for an artist to that a either either wanting to go get onto your la- or get onto onto local talk um or or other labels for that matter um and or creating their own because I think I feel sometimes that you know a good way for an artist to make a bit of a splash initially, so that that people can be aware of who they are, is actually having a few runs on the board themselves by creating a bit of a um, an audience that they develop. Do you look for that? Um, I mean, obviously, if I mean if a producer drops a, a demo and you're like, wow, you know. It, regardless whether there's an audience or not, you'll take a, you'll take a crack at it. But the, the um, but are they, are they is that something that you also look at? You know that someone has a bit of a um, um that's ha- has a little bit of a business acronym. They've already kind of developed their own sort of not not only their sound, but have also developed a bit of an audience. Yeah, you do. I mean. It wasn't the same thing when we started, like 13, 12, 13 years ago. You started to notice um, it's, of course, part of the music industry and how it works. Um, I would say it's not only labels that do this, of course. It's, mm. It goes back to stores. Um, stores want to know, you know, if there's, there's going to be able to sell the, the, the physical or the actual product. If the, if the artist has a following that will attract something to the store as well um people doing promotion pr work needs to know that as well and if it's i would say it's very very difficult today starting with a label uh starting a label having an artist that actually says you know i don't want to do any promotion or i'm not interested in doing any promotion i don't care that's that's something you need to discuss and to move further uh and yeah, as I said before, it works for some, no. But again, how many artists do we know today that is virtually unknown that's still making a success that haven't been around for a very, very long time? Mm. I can't mean I, I, I can't mention that many. Of course, there is within different musical genres there is a few, but it doesn't happen today as it used to. With saying that, though, people like a bit of uh, secrecy of course they want some stuff to be exclusive i think you can have success today maybe one or two releases if you start something and you start teasing people you know and if but again as a label you have to have a plan and if you're going to do that you need to figure it out you know how i'm going to be able to release this artist that doesn't want to be part of the promotional game or doesn't want to play the game, as you say, uh, that doesn't want to do interviews, that doesn't, you still have to work something out. Mm. Um, we tried that. We actually, we did a label 
a few years back where we want to focus on, because we got sent so many de demos, so much music. I mean, we still do on a weekly basis. Um, some of them were really, really good. And then you get a tune that you really like. And you ask the artist, you know, should we work together? What's the next plan? Do you have more music to send us? Should we start thinking about doing remixes and stuff? And the artist doesn't actually have more than one track. Or they say, well, maybe I can get back to you in a few months. I don't have time now at the, at the moment. And you go like, okay, should we just drop it or should we focus? Mm. We did that. Tried to. We actually we started a label called Tune where we, uh, we released one track on one side. And we worked out, uh, we, we worked out some promotion. We had a clear vision of what the label's going to look like graphically. Uh, we started sending out promos. There's even a clip of Disclosure playing one of the tracks, uh, I think, in, uh, in New York at a club. And we've, you know, we thought we really had something going, but it didn't take off at all. It just died. Mm. Uh, so there you go. I mean, we tried at least. <laughs> it's uh, A for effort. But, <laughs> you know. So... Uh, yeah, so, so in saying what you were asking first, you, of course, we have to think about all these different things, and it's something we discuss. We really like to work on albums as well. You want to, you know, build, build a good story with an artist to release more than one track, you know, to aim for something that is actually, you know, tells a story and then can maybe have a little longer shelf life than just a track on track source top 100. Mm. So... In doing that, we also discuss with the artists, you know, are we going to work this out? What's, what's the plan? What's the narrative with this album? How are we going to be able, you know, to build a career or not build a career? That sounds maybe a bit too much, but how are we going to build something? How are we going to tell your story? Um, of course, when we do this, you have to break it down. And it's not every artist that is built for this. Mm. Some artists doesn't want to. They just want to keep on releasing club tracks they want to dj you know have their fun and i don't blame them whereas you have other artists that their dream is to release an album they have this idea you know already and when we do that that's a pleasure to work with them of course right in saying because that, it there's, doesn't because there's well. a long-term there's a long-term plan then exactly yeah mm. and also so, to go back to something you you were asking before you were saying if our music is for djs or not, I, I would say we aim, you know, we want to release music that are for people that enjoys dance music, you know, and it's not always the way they consume music. It's not always through albums or through singles or through remixes. You know, you have to think again, you know, when we start releasing or promoting our stuff. So it's always been our plan, you know, to be a house label that reach out to everyone and not just DJs. I recall many um uh albums that have come out and um they're they're um they're they're a bit more i guess more the jazzy side but they're they're full-length albums you can listen to it from start to finish so it's not you know what i mean like it's not just that whole kind of you know grab a couple of tracks for djing but while you while you can still use those tracks from those albums um yeah uh and um but I, yeah, I just found, I was wondering if that was, um, 
Yeah, and I guess initially it was, I guess, a part of the plan was to, to sort of cater for DJs, but um, over time you can sort of pivot and, and restructure the, you know, the roadmap, I guess, and, and develop it. Have you, are you, your playlists, local talk playlists are available on the digital platforms as well? Like I, I think I recall a Spotify, a local talk Spotify playlist from um, a while ago. I just can't recall. Is that, am I correct by saying yeah, that? Yeah, I mean, mm. yeah, we do. We have, we, have, we have playlists where we put up all our releases and stuff for people who want to go through. And then we do different playlists for, dif- for different aims. Um, I would say, though, that we weren't that early into the whole playlisting game when we started because we focused on releasing vinyl and then we went into downloads and then when we started noticing that you know people are consuming a lot of music in different uh, various formats and uh, streaming eventually became bigger for that we started you know to look into it and it's a mountain to climb as you know it's um, mm-hmm. <laughs> to get recognized on different platforms and to get some gains but we, we're making it and I would say also when you asked if Local Talk is a, a label for DJs or not, I mean, our biggest uh, revenue income stream today is streaming. It's not vinyl or downloads. Well, Julie, it was an absolute pleasure um, to catch up with you and, and get some insight into the labels and, and what you're up to. That was really interesting and uh, no doubt will be super helpful for uh, someone uh, looking into that part of the industry. It was uh, very, very uh, awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. And uh, I, it's been I, a pleasure. Where, where, where can we um, uh, find it more about what Tuli's up to? I know that you're not very active on social media, but um, where can people hear things about uh, Tuli, things about local talk? Where's the best places? Obviously, the usual sort of places, but uh, please let the uh, listeners know. We're obviously on Instagram, we're on Bandcamp, we're on the different, I would say hit up, up at thelocaltalk.se, you're going to find the different uh, platforms to go further. Uh, we're on Linktree as Local Talk Records, and um, I mean, we try to update as often as we can with new informations both about the labels, and then both me and Matt have our own Instagram accounts, of course. Well, thanks. Thank you again. Thank you so much for uh, coming on to Electronic Music Life today. Thank you, James. Thank you for listening to Electronic Music Life. What were your thoughts? Please let me know. I love hearing from you. And if you love the show, please share it, follow and subscribe on your favorite platform. For all things James Locksmith, check out jameslocksmith.net. Until next week, here's to your Electronic Music Life. Much love and plenty of music. 